I'm Jackson, a security officer at Nova Research Station, stationed in the unforgiving void of space, circling a desolate, rocky planet. Our days here are monotonous, governed by routine checks and system maintenance. That's until today, when our normalcy shattered. It started with an alarm blaring through the station's speakers, a sound we hoped never to hear. Unidentified object detected, the AI system announced, its voice unnervingly calm amidst our rising panic. I stared at the radar screen in disbelief. A blip, moving with an uncanny speed and agility, was heading straight for us. Red alert! All personnel to battle stations! I barked into the intercom, my voice steadier than I felt. My heart pounded against my ribcage, adrenaline surging through my veins. This wasn't a drill, this was real. I rushed to the armory, my boots thudding against the cold metal floor. The station was unnaturally silent except for the distant echoes of my footsteps and the occasional clank of doors sealing shut as the station went into lockdown. In the armory, I suited up in record time, pulling on the heavy-duty combat gear and securing my helmet. My hands were steady as I loaded my weapon, a standard-issue plasma rifle. It felt reassuringly solid in my grip a familiar weight amidst the uncertainty. My team assembled quickly, a small but formidable group of trained officers. We exchanged terse nods, understanding the situation without words. Fear flickered in some eyes, but it was overshadowed by determination. We were trained for this, prepared for any threat, or so we thought. The object had breached our perimeter. It was inside the station now, its location unknown. The station's AI system was working to track it, but it was like nothing we'd ever encountered. It moved with focus, silent and swift, a ghost in our corridors. We advanced through the station, our steps reverberating in the metallic corridors. The lights flickered ominously. Every corner we turned, every door we opened, could bring us face to face with the unknown. As we moved, I couldn't shake off the feeling of being watched. It was as if the station itself had come alive, a silent observer to our plight. My grip tightened on my rifle. We were in uncharted territory, facing an enemy we knew nothing about. Our mission was clear. Find the intruder. Assess the threat. Neutralize if necessary. But as we moved deeper into the station, I couldn't help but wonder if we were the ones being hunted. Tension weighed on us, the silence interrupted only by our synchronized footsteps and the occasional static crackle of our comms. We were ready for a fight or so we thought, but nothing could prepare us for what awaited us in the heart of Nova Research Station. Our search led us to the central hub of the Nova Research Station. And there it was, in the center of the room, an object so bizarre it left us speechless. It was a mass of energy that seemed to warp the air around it. The colours within it shifted and swirled, hypnotic and unsettling. This wasn't just some rogue piece of technology or a simple intruder. It was something else, something alive. As we cautiously approached, weapons raised, the mass reacted. It was like it sensed our presence, our apprehension, and in response it began to change. The shining energy morphed, twisting into a form that sent chills down my spine. It became a figure, 
grotesque and distorted, like a nightmare made manifest. Its features were an abomination, a twisted reflection of humanity, as if it was mocking us. Then, the air was filled with screams. Not from us, the seasoned officers who had faced danger before, but from the entity itself. The sounds were chillingly human, an imitation of fear so perfect it was uncanny. It was as if it was broadcasting our own terror back at us, amplified and distorted. Instinctively, we fired. Our plasma rifles lit up the room with bursts of blue light, but the bullets passed right through the entity, as if it was made of smoke. It didn't react to the gunfire, didn't even flinch. Instead, it continued its horrifying display, the screams growing louder, more desperate. And then, as quickly as it had appeared, it vanished. One moment it was there, a nightmare in front of us, and the next it was gone, leaving nothing but a lingering sense of dread in the air. The screams faded away, leaving behind a heavy silence. We stood there, stunned and shaken, our weapons still raised. The encounter had lasted only seconds, but it felt like an eternity. We exchanged bewildered looks, trying to process what we had just witnessed. It was clear that this entity was unlike anything we had encountered before. It was something far more sinister, something that could invade our minds and twist our fears against us. As the reality of the situation sank in, a cold fear settled in my stomach. This was just the beginning. We had no idea where the entity was or what it was planning next. We were in uncharted territory, facing an enemy that could not be touched by our weapons and knew exactly how to terrify us. The mission had taken a dark turn and we were woefully unprepared for what lay ahead. The aftermath of our first encounter with the entity was like a scene from a nightmare. We retreated to the command center, a room usually filled with the hum of computers and the calm, focused chatter of our crew. Now it was a tableau of chaos and fear. As we entered, the extent of the entity's infiltration became horrifyingly clear. The large screens, normally displaying star charts and system diagnostics, were overrun with grotesque, horrific images. Scenes of unspeakable terror, plucked from the darkest corners of our minds, played over and over. It was as if the entity was broadcasting our deepest, most primal fears for all to see. The crew members in the command center were paralyzed, unable to tear their eyes away from the screens. Some were crying, others shaking uncontrollably, and a few were in a state of shock, staring blankly into the distance. The entity had crept into our minds, exploiting our vulnerabilities. I felt a surge of responsibility as the security officer. I had to take control of the situation. Everyone listen up! I shouted, trying to cut through the panic with my voice. But my words seemed to fall on deaf ears, lost in the sea of terror that had engulfed the room. I moved from person to person, trying to snap them out of their trance. We need to focus. We can beat this thing, I said, locking eyes with each crew member trying to ignite a spark of determination in their fear-stricken faces. But the images on the screens were like a virus, infecting everyone with dread. It was then I realized that our first step in combating this entity was to regain control over our own minds. Turn off these screens, I ordered. A few crew members, responding to the urgency in my voice, 
began to shut down the monitors, cutting off the flow of nightmarish visuals. As the screens went dark, a collective sigh rippled through the room. The grip of fear loosened ever so slightly. With the immediate threat to our sanity somewhat contained, we gathered around the central table, a group shaken but still standing. It was clear that conventional tactics were useless against this entity. We needed a plan, and we needed it fast. We need to understand what we're dealing with, I started, my mind racing for solutions. It feeds on fear, uses it against us. We need to stay calm, think logically. Easier said than done, I thought. The team looked to me, their eyes full of fear and confusion. We were in uncharted territory, facing an enemy that seemed invincible. But we were a crew of the Nova Research Station, trained to face the unknown. We'll regroup, gather data, and figure out a way to fight this thing, I declared, a plan beginning to form in my mind. The entity had shown us its power, but we were not defeated. Not yet. We were going to fight back, and somehow we were going to win. In the relative safety of the command center, now purged of the entity's terrifying visuals, we turned to Dr. Sterling for insights. As the lead scientist of Nova Research Station, Dr. Sterling had a reputation for her analytical mind and unflappable demeanor, qualities we desperately needed. Gathering around a briefing area, Dr. Sterling shared her hypothesis, her voice steady despite the tension in the room. This entity, it's unlike any form of life we know. It doesn't just exist physically. It has a presence that interacts with our psychological state. It feeds on fear, our fear. Her words resonated with chilling clarity. The images on the screens, the morphing shapes, the screams, it all pointed to an entity that not only sensed our fears, but amplified them, turning them into tangible horrors. But how does it do that? Someone asked with curiosity and dread in their voice. It's hard to say with our current data, Dr. Sterling responded. It could be telepathic, or it might use some form of advanced technology that interacts with our neural pathways. Whatever the method, it's clear that it's learning from us, adapting to our reactions. The room fell silent as her words sank in. The entity wasn't just attacking us, it was studying us, learning how to break us down psychologically. I broke the silence. So, our fear, it's like fuel to it? Exactly, Dr. Sterling nodded. Our emotional responses seem to empower it. That's why we need to stay calm, control our fear. Panic will only make it stronger. Easier said than done. The atmosphere in the command center was thick with unspoken fears and anxieties. How do you fight an enemy that uses your own mind as a weapon against you? We need to be strategic, I said, trying to inject a sense of purpose into the crew. We can't let it get into our heads. We stay focused, we stay rational. Fear is its weapon, and we can't afford to supply it. Dr. Sterling chimed in. We should also gather as much data as we can about the entity, its form, its behavior patterns, how it interacts with the environment. The more we know, the better our chances of finding a weakness. The team nodded, a sense of resolve slowly replacing the blanket of fear. We had a plan, albeit a daunting one. 
Stay calm in the face of terror. Gather information on an enemy. Find a way to fight back against an entity that thrived on our deepest fears. Just as we began to strategize, the station plunged into a new wave of terror. A chill crept through the air, a coldness that seeped into our bones, as if the very atmosphere of the station had shifted. Then it hit us, a feeling of dread so intense it was almost tangible. The entity was back. The crew stiffened, their recent willpower tested as fear threatened to take hold again. I clenched my fists, remembering Dr. Sterling's words. Stay calm, don't let it feed on our fear. But it was hard, almost impossible to remain unaffected when every instinct screamed that something was terribly wrong. And then we saw it. Materializing in the center of the room was a figure, twisted and monstrous. But it wasn't just any figure. It was a horrific, distorted version of a crew member we had lost the previous year, a friend and colleague to many of us. The sight of it was a gut punch, a vile manipulation of our grief and guilt. The entity had taken the form of our deceased friend, but it was a grotesque caricature, with exaggerated features and an expression of pain and accusation. Its eyes, dark and empty, seemed to bore into each of us, unearthing memories and emotions we had tried so hard to bury. It was a psychological game, a cruel and twisted one. The entity was not just feeding on our fear, it was reveling in it, using our own memories against us. We can't let it win, I said through gritted teeth, trying to steady my voice. Focus, remember, it's not real, it's just a manifestation of our fears. But even as I spoke, I could see the doubt and terror in the eyes of my crew. The entity was a master at this game, dredging up emotions that clouded our judgment and fractured our willpower. We fight back with logic, not emotions, I continued, my own heart pounding in my chest. Don't give in to it, hold on to what's real. The monstrous figure began to move towards us, its steps slow and deliberate, as if it was savouring the fear it was evoking. But we stood our ground, forcing ourselves to see it for what it was. An illusion, a trick of the mind. Our resolve seemed to frustrate the entity. It let out a sound, a distorted echo of our lost crew member's voice, a sound that was meant to break us. But we held firm, clinging to the training and discipline that had been drilled into us. The entity, realizing its tactics were not having the desired effect, let out an inhuman screech and vanished as abruptly as it had appeared, leaving us in a tense silence. We were shaken, but we had stood our ground. We had shown the entity that we wouldn't succumb to its manipulation so easily. But this was just the beginning. The entity was still out there, and it was learning, adapting to our defenses. We knew we couldn't keep reacting. We needed to take proactive steps. The command center, still shrouded in tension, became a hub of frenzied activity as we brainstormed a plan to turn the tables on the entity. Dr. Sterling proposed the idea first. We need to trap it, she said, her eyes scanning over the station's blueprints displayed on the screen. If it feeds on fear, let's use that against it we can lure it into a containment unit. The idea resonated immediately. We had a state-of-the-art containment unit in the lab, designed to hold and study dangerous specimens and energies. It was our best shot at understanding and defeating the entity. 
but the plan had a critical component, bait. The entity needed to be lured into the trap, and that required a potent fear, something visceral. The room fell silent as we considered this. Who among us would be willing to confront their deepest fear, to become the lure? I thought of the entity's last form, the distorted image of our deceased crew member, and how it had nearly broken us. Then, I thought of my own fear, a personal terror I had long buried deep within me, the fear of losing my family. The thought of them in danger, of not being there to protect them, was my greatest weakness. I'll do it, I said, my voice steady despite the turmoil inside. I'll be the bait. My declaration was met with admiration and concern. Dr. Sterling gave me a firm nod. The crew looked at me, their expressions blending gratitude and worry. We'll rig the containment unit with an energy field, Dr. Sterling explained. Once the entity is inside, we'll activate the field, trapping it. But we'll need to be precise. Timing is crucial. The plan was simple, yet risky. If the entity sensed the trap, or if the timing was off by even a second, it could escape or worse, retaliate. We went into preparation mode, each person assigned a specific role. The containment unit was checked and rechecked, the energy field calibrated for maximum efficiency. Every detail was scrutinized, every contingency planned for. As for me, I prepared myself mentally. Confronting my deepest fear was not something I took lightly. I knew the entity would exploit it, twist it, make it as real and as painful as possible. But I also knew this was our best chance at stopping it, at protecting my crew and, in a way, my own family. The containment unit, usually reserved for studying extraterrestrial materials, became the focal point of our efforts. We worked modifying and reinforcing it to hold something far more unpredictable and dangerous. Dr. Sterling led the technical adjustments. We installed additional energy shields around the containment unit, layers upon layers of the most robust defense mechanisms we had. These shields were designed to withstand immense force and energy fluctuations crucial for containing the entity. Meanwhile, the rest of the crew set up a network of sensors and surveillance equipment around the trap area. We needed eyes on every possible angle to ensure my safety as much as possible once I was in position as the bait. In the midst of this feverish activity, I took a moment for a more personal preparation. I went to my quarters and recorded a message for my family. It was a just-in-case measure, but one that weighed heavily on me. I spoke of love and pride, and I apologised for the risks I was taking. Finishing the recording, I felt a pang of sorrow. I was doing this for them too, in a way. In the command centre, the atmosphere was one of low morale. We were all acutely aware of the stakes and the risks involved, especially after our recent encounters with the entity. I looked around at my crew, my comrades, each busy with their tasks. Their faces were set, focused. We were a team, united against a common, albeit unprecedented, threat. It was this unity, this shared sense of duty, that bolstered my own courage. As the final checks were made, and the containment unit was declared ready, a silence settled over the station. We gathered for a final briefing, reviewing the plan one last time. Dr. Sterling went over the technical details, 
ensuring everyone knew their role. I listened, my mind partly on the task ahead, partly with the recorded message lying in my quarters. We were ready, as ready as we could ever be for what was to come. The moment had arrived, the culmination of all our planning and fears. I stood alone in the designated area near the containment unit, the epicenter of our trap. My heart raced in my chest, a drumbeat of anticipation and dread. Around me, the station was silent. This silence was intentional, part of the plan to make the entity focus solely on me. The rest of the crew monitored from the command center, ready to spring the trap at the right moment. I closed my eyes for a moment, taking a deep breath. In my mind, I conjured up images of my family, my partner's smile, my children's laughter, the warmth of their embraces. These memories were precious, but they were also my vulnerability, the fear I had to exploit to lure the entity. As I opened my eyes, a noticeable change had occurred. The air around me grew colder, a chilling presence that seemed to seep into my very bones. This was it. The entity was responding. I steeled myself, ready for its appearance. And then there it was. Materialising from the shadows, the entity appeared before me. It was a twisted, nightmarish version of my thoughts, a manifestation of my deepest fear. The figure it took was amorphous, shifting and changing, an ethereal mirror of my inner turmoil. One moment it resembled a shadowy figure, looming and threatening, the next it morphed into more personal shapes. Imitations of my loved ones distorted into something grotesque and horrifying. My breath caught in my throat as I faced it. This was the entity in its true form, a creature of fear and nightmare. It was as if it was peering directly into my soul, extracting my anxieties and insecurities and reflecting them back at me. Despite the terror clawing at my mind, I forced myself to remain still, to keep my focus. I couldn't let fear overwhelm me. Too much depended on this moment. The plan hinged on my ability to keep the entity engaged, to draw it closer to the containment unit. The entity intensified its efforts, but I held my ground, my eyes locked on the ever-shifting form before me. I was the bait, the lure to draw this nightmare into our trap. Every instinct screamed at me to run, to escape the horror that confronted me. But I stood firm, knowing that this was our only chance. The entity inched closer, drawn by the fear it so craved. I braced myself, ready for whatever came next. It seemed wholly fixated on me, its form undulating and shifting with fluidity. Every instinct in my body screamed to flee, but I knew I had to hold my position until the last possible moment. As the entity drew near, its form became more defined, more menacing. It was as if it was pulling the fear straight from my heart, giving it shape and substance. Its presence was oppressive. But I couldn't falter now. The eyes of my crew were on me, watching through the surveillance cameras, their hands poised over the controls that would activate the trap. We had one shot at this, and everything hinged on timing. I waited until the entity was just a few feet away, close enough that I could almost feel the cold emanating from it. That's when I made my move. 
With a sudden burst of adrenaline-fueled energy, I dove to the side, rolling away from the spot where I had been standing. At that instant, the crew sprang into action. The moment I cleared the designated area, they activated the energy shields around the containment unit. The shields sprang to life, creating a barrier of energy, invisible but impenetrable. The entity, caught off guard by the sudden activation of the trap, collided with the energy barrier. It let out a screeching sound, a noise that was both alien and disturbingly human, filled with anger and surprise. For a moment it seemed as though we had succeeded. The entity thrashed against the barrier, its form distorting with each impact. But then, something went wrong. The lights in the station flickered, and a surge of power rippled through the containment unit. Alarms blared, adding to the chaos. Through the control room speakers, I could hear Dr. Sterling's voice tinged with concern. The energy field is fluctuating. It's too strong. The entity, sensing the weakness in the barrier, intensified its assault. The energy field crackled and sparked, struggling to hold the creature at bay. It was a battle of technology against a force we didn't fully understand, and it was quickly becoming apparent that our tech was no match for the entity's raw power. In the control room, the crew worked frantically to stabilize the containment unit, but the entity was relentless. With each strike, it seemed to grow stronger, feeding off our fear and desperation. I watched, heart pounding, as the entity began to break through the barrier. The energy field flickered, weakened, and then, with a final ear-splitting screech from the entity, it collapsed. The entity was free once again, its form now even more terrifying a swirling mass of darkness and malice. We had underestimated its strength, and now it was loose within the station, its anger and power amplified by the failed attempt to trap it. The plan had failed. The trap we had so carefully set had been nothing more than a momentary cage for the entity. Its form expanded, growing larger and more menacing, as if it was drawing energy from its newfound freedom and our growing fear. The air was filled with its deafening screams. They felt like physical assaults battering us with wave after wave of oppressive noise. The entity's rage was almost tangible, an aura of malice that enveloped it. In the face of this escalating threat, we had no choice but to retreat. We turned and ran, our footsteps echoing through the hallways as we fled the nightmare that pursued us. Over the comms, Dr. Sterling's voice urged us to regroup, to find a defensible position but her words were barely audible over the entity's relentless screeching. As we retreated, we fired our weapons aimlessly behind us. Plasma bolts streaked through the air, their blue light illuminating the dark corridors. But our efforts were futile. The entity seemed impervious to our weapons, just as it had been before. It was like fighting a shadow, a horror that could not be touched or harmed by conventional means. The entity pursued us relentlessly, its form constantly shifting and changing. One moment it was a massive, dark cloud enveloping everything in its path. The next, it morphed into twisted, humanoid shapes, manifestations of our deepest fears and insecurities. It was a nightmare brought to life, a horror that seemed to know no bounds. We ran through the station, a desperate attempt to put distance between us and the entity, but it was fast, faster than any of us. 
It seemed to glide effortlessly over the ground, its form occasionally flickering and disappearing, only to reappear closer to us. Panic set in as we realized we were losing ground. The station had become a convoluted trap, with danger lurking around every corner. The entity was herding us, driving us towards an unknown end. In the chaos, communication became difficult. Shouts and orders were lost in the din of the entity's screams and the sound of our own racing hearts. We were a team trained for crisis, but this was beyond anything we had ever imagined. We needed a new plan, a way to stop this unstoppable force that was bearing down on us. But in those frantic moments of retreat, with the entity hot on our heels, all we could think about was survival. Dr. Sterling's voice crackled through the comm system, her tone urgent but composed. We need to take drastic measures, she said, her words cutting through the panic. If we overload the reactor, we can create an electromagnetic pulse, EMP. It might disrupt the entity, destabilize it. Her suggestion hit us like a bolt of lightning. Overloading the reactor was a dangerous, almost unthinkable action. It would send a massive surge of energy throughout the station, potentially damaging or destroying systems vital for our survival in space. The EMP it would create was our last-ditch effort, a desperate gamble against an unfathomable foe. But in our situation, desperation was all we had left. The entity was a force beyond our control, beyond our understanding. Traditional methods had failed. It was time for something radical. I'll do it, I said, my voice resolute over the comm. I'll set off the overload. Everyone else needs to evacuate. There were protests, my crew voicing their concerns and reluctance to leave me behind. But time was a luxury we didn't have. The entity was relentless, and every second we debated was a second it gained on us. The crew's evacuation was chaotic yet swift. Escape pods were launched, carrying my team away from the nightmare we had all endured. I watched on the monitors as one by one they left the station. Alone now. I set off towards the reactor. The station's corridors now felt like a maze of shadows and danger. The entity could be anywhere, and I was acutely aware of my vulnerability. Reaching the reactor required passing through several security checkpoints, all designed to keep the station's power source secure and contained. I entered the reactor control room. The control panel for the reactor was a complex array of screens and buttons, I initiated the overload sequence. The machinery began to whine and vibrate, a physical manifestation of the impending danger. I was acutely aware of the risk, the very real possibility that this could be my final act. As I worked, the air in the reactor room shifted, the temperature dropping suddenly, a sign I had come to recognize all too well. The entity was here. It had sensed the threat I posed and had come to stop me. I turned to face it. The entity, a master of psychological torment, chose that moment to unleash its most cruel manipulation yet. It morphed before my eyes, taking on the form of my family. But this was a grotesque parody, their faces twisted in pain and accusation. My wife and children stood before me, their eyes filled with suffering and betrayal. Why, Dad? they seemed to ask. Why are you leaving us? The sight cut through me like a knife. 
It was my deepest fear made manifest, failing and forsaking my family. The entity was playing its final, most devastating card, using my love for my family against me. But amidst the pain and turmoil it evoked, a part of me recognized this for what it was, a last-ditch effort to manipulate me, to sway me from my course. I closed my eyes, a bid to shut out the harrowing sight. In the darkness behind my lids, I whispered apologies to my family, real and imagined. I'm sorry, I murmured, my voice barely audible over the din of the reactor. I love you. This is the only way. With my apologies done, I steeled myself for what had to be done. I opened my eyes, refusing to look at the entity's cruel illusion any longer. My gaze fixed on the control panel, on the final switch that would trigger the overload. The reactor was at its peak, the energy it contained a roaring beast begging for release. I could feel the vibration of the machinery through the soles of my boots. I took a deep breath, my hand hovering over the switch. This was a leap of faith, a hope that this desperate plan would save my crew and stop the entity. With a final, resolute motion, I flipped the switch. The reactor responded instantly, the hum escalating into a scream of unleashed energy. The overload was triggered, the beginning of the end, either for the entity or for me. As the reactor surged towards its explosive climax, I thought of my crew, safe in their escape pods, of the life I had lived and the people I loved. In that moment, there was no room for fear, only the quiet acceptance of a necessary sacrifice. With a force that felt like the universe itself was tearing apart, the reactor exploded. It wasn't just a physical blast. It was a surge of electromagnetic energy, a pulse of pure power that erupted in a blinding white light. The light enveloped everything, obliterating the darkness and the entity's nightmarish form in its brilliance. For a brief suspended moment, time seemed to stand still. I was at the epicenter of a maelstrom of energy, a point where reality bent under the sheer force of the explosion. The pulse swept through the station like a tidal wave, an unstoppable force that permeated every corner, every hidden shadow. I felt the pulse tear through me, a sensation that was both agonizing and exhilarating. It was as if the very fibers of my being were being unraveled and remade. The energy was overwhelming, beyond anything a human was meant to withstand. I could feel it impacting the entity as well, a scream that wasn't sound but rather a disturbance in the very air, signifying its agony or perhaps its dissolution. In that moment of brilliant, searing light, there was a sense of finality, a feeling that this was the end of the line, one way or another. The plan, born of desperation and executed in the face of overwhelming odds, had reached its climax. And then, as quickly as it had erupted, the light and energy dissipated. The explosion culminated in a deafening silence, a void where the roar of the reactor had been. Darkness enveloped the room once more, a profound, all-encompassing darkness that felt heavy and absolute. I was adrift in darkness, disconnected from the world, from the station, from life itself. There was no pain, no fear, just a deep engulfing blackness that seemed to stretch into eternity. In that void, there was a sense of peace, 
a respite from the terror and chaos that had dominated our existence since the Entity's arrival. The darkness was a blanket, smothering the remnants of the nightmare we had endured. As I floated in this abyss, the reality of what had transpired began to sink in. The reactor explosion. The electromagnetic pulse. The last, desperate attempt to stop the Entity. It had all led to this moment, this stillness. Whether it was victory or defeat, I couldn't tell. All I knew was the quiet and the dark, the end of a battle fought against an enemy like no other. Consciousness returned to me slowly, like emerging from a deep dark sea into the uncertain light of reality. My first sensation was one of weight, a heaviness that pressed down on me from all sides. My eyes fluttered open, revealing a world of chaos and ruin. I lay amidst debris, surrounded by the twisted and shattered remnants of the reactor room. Metal and plastic were now just jagged pieces strewn across the floor. The air was clogged with dust and the acrid smell of burnt electronics, signs of the violent explosion that had rocked the station. The station systems were dead, their once constant buzz and flickering lights now extinguished. An oppressive silence filled the space. It was a silence that spoke of devastation, of a battle fought and ended. With effort, I pushed aside the debris covering me and slowly stood up, my body aching from the impact of the explosion. My mind was foggy, still grappling with the reality of my survival. The last thing I remembered was the blinding light of the reactor exploding, the electromagnetic pulse tearing through everything. I looked around, searching for any signs of the entity. There was nothing, no indication of its presence. The nightmarish forms it had taken, the oppressive aura it exuded, all were absent. It was gone, seemingly erased by the force of the EMP. But at what cost? The station was in ruins. I tried to access the communication systems, hoping to contact the escape pods to find out if my crew had made it to safety. But the systems were unresponsive, the screens dark and lifeless. There was no response, just more silence. I was alone. Isolation set in, a realization that I was the sole occupant of a dead station floating in the vastness of space. The weight of that solitude was crushing, a burden that was both physical and emotional. What had happened to my crew? Had they escaped the entity? Or had they suffered a fate similar to the station? The questions circled in my mind. The victory felt hollow. We had set out to stop the entity, a mission that had cost us everything. The station, our research, possibly even the lives of my crew, all sacrificed in an attempt to end a nightmare. I began to move through the station, each step a challenge in the gravity-compromised environment. My goal was to reach the control center, to find any working systems, any sign of what had happened to the rest of the crew. But the journey was daunting, through corridors that were barely recognizable, littered with debris and the scars of our desperate final stand. Time seemed to lose its meaning. The station had been transformed into a silent mausoleum, drifting in the void of space. My existence became a matter of mere survival, a daily struggle in the wreckage of what used to be my world. I scavenged through the ruins of the station for supplies. Food and water were scarce, salvaged from the damaged remains of the supply stores. 
Power was limited to a few emergency systems running on backup batteries, their life slowly ebbing away. I rationed what little I had, aware that each meal could be my last. My only connection to the outside world was the emergency beacon. It was a flicker of hope in the darkness, a signal sent into the vastness of space with the slim chance that someone would hear it. I kept it active, constantly checking and rechecking its power source, a small act of defiance against the overwhelming odds. Sleep was fitful and haunted by nightmares, the image of my encounter with the entity still lingering in my mind. The silence of the station was oppressive. I wandered through the corridors, a ghost in a tomb of steel and wire. Then, after what seemed like an eternity, salvation arrived. A rescue ship, responding to the beacon's call, found its way to the derelict station. I remember the moment I heard the sound of another human voice crackling through the station's speakers. It was surreal, a lifeline thrown into the depths of my despair. The rescue team found me in the command centre, surrounded by darkened screens and lifeless consoles. I was barely alive, a shadow of the officer who had once confidently patrolled these corridors. They were cautious, scanning for any signs of the entity, but it was clear that the nightmare was over. The entity was gone, destroyed or vanished in the wake of the reactor's overload. The station was a ruin. The walls were scorched, the floors littered with debris, and the air stale with the scent of burnt electronics and lost hopes. As the rescue team led me to their ship, I took one last look at the station, at the place that had been my home, my workplace and my battlefield. It was hard to leave to turn my back on the memories and the sacrifices made there. But there was nothing left for me in that tomb of steel. Aboard the rescue ship, I was given medical attention and the care I desperately needed. They listened in disbelief as I recounted the events that had transpired, the appearance of the entity, the battle we fought, and the final desperate act that ended it all. The relief of rescue, the comfort of survival, these feelings began to wane as the journey back to Earth progressed. The crew of the rescue ship was professional, yet there was an undercurrent of tension, an unspoken agenda that I couldn't quite grasp. Their questions about the entity and the station's research were probing, far beyond standard debriefing procedures. As we neared Earth, the truth began to unravel in a series of chilling revelations. It started with an offhand comment from one of the crew members, something about the success of the operation. My curiosity peaked. I began to pay closer attention, eavesdropping on conversations and going through data pads left unattended. The pieces of the puzzle started to fit together, forming a picture so sinister it chilled me to the bone. The entity, the nightmare that had tormented us and decimated the station, was not a random encounter in space. It was a creation, a tool of sabotage crafted by a rival corporation, one that had been competing with ours in the field of extraterrestrial research. But the most horrifying revelation was yet to come. The rescue team, the people I thought were my saviors, were in fact agents of this rival corporation. My rescue from the Nova Research Station was not a stroke of luck. It was a planned extraction. I was not a survivor being brought home. I was a captive, 
valuable for the information I carried. As I processed this betrayal, the crew's behavior started to make sense. Their questions were not just about what had happened, but about how much I knew. They were particularly interested in the specifics of the entity, how it was summoned, how it interacted with its environment, how it was ultimately defeated. I realized then that I was in grave danger. This corporation had created the entity as a weapon to destroy our research and claim dominance in the industry. Now that the entity was gone, I was their only link to replicating or even understanding what they had unleashed. My mind raced with thoughts of escape, but the reality of my situation was bleak. I was alone, injured and under constant surveillance on a ship hurtling through space. My captors were skilled, their intentions clear, and their resources seemingly limitless. As the Earth grew larger in the ship's viewports, a sense of despair washed over me. I was returning home, but not as a hero or a survivor. I was a pawn in a corporate war, a war that had already cost the lives of my crew and nearly unleashed an unspeakable horror upon the world. The irony of my situation was bitter. I had fought and defeated a nightmare only to fall into the hands of those who had crafted it.